Bogus Fiends. Thanks for tuning in to this week's rerun episode of the Forever Bogus Podcast. And it's your boy, B-Boy Bogus Bryce. If you've been listening to the Bogus Cast the last few weeks, you are totally aware that we have a brand new season of the Bogus Cast premiering on August 19th. That's Wednesday, August 19th. That's only a few weeks from now. And we cannot wait to share the nostalgia with you. Before we jump into this week's episode, we want to give a shout out there to a sister podcast of ours, the Haunted Hangover Podcast. We were recently on an episode describing our favorite Halloween special. And um, you may be wondering, what's the Haunted Hangover all about? Well, fellas, take it away. Hi, I'm Louie. And I'm Dave. Do you love Halloween? Do you like hearing about it year-round? Then check out our Haunted Hangover podcast, available on all streaming platforms. We cover everything from nostalgic memories to your favorite Halloween specials. Hey Dave, what's the best cure for a hangover? More booze. Thanks again, fellas. Make sure to subscribe to their podcast and stay tuned in to the Bogus Cast because they have brand new spanking episodes coming to you on Wednesday, August 19th. Stay bogus. Test, test. All right. All righty. Good levels already. Yeah, Feeling good. Levels are great. <laughs> There's never been any better levels. I have the best levels. <laughs> the best levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello there, bogus listeners. You just tuned in to the Forever Bogus Podcast. I am the leader, Bryce Shoemaker. And I'm the party dude, Jamie Kills Me. Jamie's back. Back again. Back again. He's back. Jamie's back. Tell, Tell everybody. Not your friends. Tell everybody. everybody. The people on the street, the people on the bus, whoever. Uh, we, we just talked about this off air, but I feel like this happens quite a bit. We get super busy. We kind of forget about each other for just a small little bit. Not for very long. And yeah. then we're back. Well, we're back. You're busted because I don't I don't forget about you. So now that you said so, Aww. I know that you've forgotten. <laughs> no, I actually do think about you quite All frequently. Right. Like just the other day, your wife was posting some memes about you walking around naked in your apartment. I'm like, fuck, I really. I pay to the rent around here. I get to not wear clothes <laughs> if I don't want to. Damn right. <laughs> that's that's just how it goes. We actually, it's a little bit problematic because right in our backyard is uh, an elementary school. And oh, uh, I did not know that, Jamie. They're pulling up as I'm as I'm waking up. So I'm walking through, yeah. So I <laughs> classic move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm just making lunch. Don't look over here, kids. You're just making lunch with the franks and beans hanging, and next thing you know, you're going to jail. Ugh. I don't know. <laughs> Go to jail. Well, we have a uh, pretty interesting show lined up for all of our bogus listeners out there. What comes to mind when you think of 80s cartoons and early 90s cartoons? What's the first thing that comes to mind besides He-Man? Well, I always think of that era as having cartoons that were used to sell toys. And Mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of great ones. There were uh, Transformers. There were G.I. Joe. But for me personally... Nothing yep. hits home like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. yeah. The same thing here. Like, ever since birth, I remember seeing and loving 
TMNT. Yeah. And it was such a big deal. Like, it it spawned so many rad knockoffs. There were so many knockoffs because, I mean, you, you see it a little bit these days, but especially, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s, people did not have mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't know, they, they weren't afraid to say, well, this is successful, I should make my version of this. You know what I mean? Well, this is successful, so why not make my own? Shame is the word I was looking for. There was no shame among companies. (laughs) Unfortunately, you still see those now. It's not as bad because we don't have like blockbusters or video rental shops where there'll be like a big zombie movie coming out and then it has all these spawned. Really cheesy, low-budget, yeah. same kind of feel zombie movies, you know? Yeah, right towards the end of the blockbuster life, we went into one, and I think they had just released the Battleship movie, and right below it, there was, like, a, a movie called, like, Angry Boats, Ugh. and below that, there was, like, Ocean War, you know, it was, like, all kinds of crap. It, it, that, that shit lives on, but it, it, it never uh, existed in the way of... The competition in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You're so right. And it spawned some really interesting shows, uh, interesting in parentheses, and some really cool, radical shows. And that's exactly what we're talking about today on the Forever Bogus Podcast. It is TMNT knockoffs. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I've already taken a little peek at your list because both of us are choosing four titles or shows each to, t- to uh, discuss here. And your picks are fucking rad, man. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I would have thought of them before. Right back at you, man. But you know what? This is this is. Uh, I think that we'll find that they're they all have all of our picks that we're going to talk about today have some value to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's interesting is some of my picks somewhat loosely connect to TMNT in a weird way. Yeah, almost all of my picks, as you'll find out, have either a writer. Or a producer in common with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, or like an animator or something. It's very interesting, the yeah. connections that you that you find when you do some deep research. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess uh, without further ado, you want to jump into the sewer and get started with our lists? Cowabunga! So the top of my list is a little title called... Adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. God. <laughs> what a mouthful. That is a mouthful. <laughs> One more time. Adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. Now, this seems like a direct parody, no? Whoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this title was a 1986 comic book series written by Don Chin and published by Eclipse Comics. So you know with some like underground yeah, I, shit. Yeah, I was actually just talking to a friend today that uh, growing up in the 90s, I made the mistake of being a kid in the 90s at least, going into comic shops. If it didn't say Marvel uh-huh. or DC, I was like, it's kind of like bootleg and stupid. So I, I missed out on a lot of stuff, but, <laughs> it, but you know, that's there you go. I'm the same way. Like, I was a big Batman guy and Spider-Man guy, so any other titles I could have really kept cared less about. But this one went way under my radar until just recently. So you would consider the adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters as the first TMNT ripoff, Woo. which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Like, this was soon after they released the TMNT comics back in 1986. And what's funny about this title is that um, it's a parody of a parody of TMNT and Frank Miller's Daredevil and Ronin. Jeez. So, you, I mean, you all may know the history about TMNT. They were kind of playing off of uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil 
and uh, also playing off the big kind of ninja storm that was coming through uh, the, the mid to late 80s. With all the movies and everything else, you had like Karate Kid and all this other shit. But, but this one really stood out to me because it actually had a pretty interesting story. So just to give you a little bit of a background about adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Deep breath. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Say that five times fast. I can't. I won't even. I won't <laughs> even try. try. I can't. <laughs> so, um, Earth's atmosphere is under attack by a large radioactive substance. A group of four hamsters were sent into space by NASA to study this this substance. Don't ask me mm. why they use hamsters. Whatever. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the it's the eighties. <laughs> So an explosion happened, uh, causing radiation to mutate the hamsters into a anthropomorphic creatures. So now they look like half-human, half-hamsters. And um, their radiation actually affected their spacecraft, causing them to crash land somewhere in China, where these monks found them, uh, mute, these mutated hamsters, and they, for some reason they weren't afraid, they decided to just train them in Jesus. martial arts. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> So from then on, they trained these hamsters, and they helped them fight evil forces while trying to save the Earth from this uh, weird radiation that's still happening in their atmosphere. And I, I will go into further detail about the characters here in a moment, but you can definitely tell it's a TMNT ripoff because of the art style, because of the there are four of them. They both have the same kind of personalities. Like one's a leader, one's a rebel, one's a smart guy, and one's the, the party dude. But uh, they were named after famous martial arts kung fu artists <laughs> instead, instead of, of instead of regular uh, Renaissance artists. Exactly. Yeah. So their names were Bruce, yep. like Bruce Lee, Jackie for Jackie Chan, Chuck for Chuck Norris, which is odd, and Clint for Clint Eastwood, which is. The most bizarre. And, one. uh, yeah, the, the Clint one doesn't really. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Clint Eastwood movie where he's, like, fighting, like, kung fu fighting. I've unfortunately seen a movie where he sings. Have you seen that? Oh, God. Let's not all talk right, about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, the art very closely resembled the older TMNT comics. Have you read any of the kind of original, like, black and white comics from TMNT? I, I haven't read much, but I've, I know the art style. I read enough to know the art style and, and the tone it's of the beautiful. show. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's so cool. It's something to definitely revisit. And I actually started collecting the uh, colorized mm. versions that IDW put out probably five or so years ago. Still really good comics. Like They, they hold up even to this day. But uh, they also resembled Frank Miller's art from the style of Ronin. Have you ever read Ronin by Frank yeah. Miller? I, I know Ronin. I haven't okay. read it. Also, it really cool art style. Like That's the era of Frank Miller that I will cherish forever. Like, I will go back and read Ronin uh, ten times over. I don't care. It's still such a great a great book. So it's actually a genuine uh, comic that you create. Like, it's not a one-note parody of TMNT. No, it kind of became its own thing. But unfortunately, the series only ran for about nine or ten issues before it was canceled. But it did spawn a few, like, one-shot spinoffs and a, a few other stories that they that kind of followed. Which is very unfortunate that it ended because there was some talk about making, like, an MTV liquid television-esque animated series that would follow those comics, which would have been fucking cool. Could you imagine, like, Eon Flux I style yeah, I can see that. Or the uh, head. animation with this? Remember the head? Or the head, yeah. or the max? Yeah. Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, that would have been awesome. That actually probably would have lined up right with the... 
release of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series, and and that would have been yeah. genuine competition. Exactly, because it had more of an yeah. adult, adult feel, like the original TMNT comics. There was a lot more bloodshed, a lot more violence, and it it closely resembled that, and that's the reason why I think it was successful for that small run. Uh, but they ended up like canceling the title because they had other things they wanted to work on that was doing better. And they actually sold the rights to Dynamite Entertainment back in 2007. So maybe someday we'll get something new from the adolescent, radioactive, black belt hamster. All right, man, what's first on your list? I'm going to go in a different order here than I have listed because I want to start with the one that I genuinely recommend you and listeners check out for real. All right, cool. Uh, I I didn't pick anything, of course, that is trash and just ignore it. I always try to... I always try to... (laughs) have picks that are worth looking into at least a little bit. But this is the one that I think is is absolutely worth looking at entirely. All right. So this is Samurai Pizza Cats. Yes! I remember this show. Right. So Samurai Pizza Cats was an American adaptation of an anime series. It's called Kyoto Ninden Tiandi, which wow, aired... nice job. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, which translates roughly to... Uh, Karate Cat Cyber or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> not as cool as Samurai Pizza yeah, Cats. It's not as cool as Samurai Pizza Cats. It's also not as cool as Keto Ninden Tianti. <laughs> so the original anime aired in Japan in 1990 and it ran for 54 episodes. Wow. Uh, so that's a, a good tall order. It's a long run, yeah. Now, it was later picked up by Saban, a company I know that you personally are very familiar with because yep. they provide us with so much of the Super Sentai stuff that mm-hmm. you like, which is Power you know, Rangers, Power Rangers, all that jazz. Like that. Yep, you're right. So they picked it up in 1990, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. get to the air in North America until it until 1994. It aired wow. in Canada. So why was it such a big, long gap in between? There was a big, long gap in between because when Saban had inherited the translation scripts they were all in broken english and nonsensical and didn't make any sense so they decided to use the animation and write their own script and dialogue for it <laughs> so they suboned it so they suboned <laughs> it so they took they took yeah. a couple years and they got it launched in canada in 94 and it made it to the states in 1996 and okay. uh, both canada and us had only ran 52 episodes versus the japanese 54 episodes Hmm. Uh, because in Japan, there's two clips episodes. Oh, uh, like, I like see. The, like a clips episode you just had here on the yes. Forever Books podcast. <laughs> However, the clips episode wouldn't make sense in the grand scheme of Samurai Pizza Cats because the dialogue has all changed from the original animation. And exactly. so they just had so to throw those away. Sense. So it came to 52. When they were writing the new script and the new dialogue, they decided to go for a rapid-fire Animaniac-style dialogue because uh, it was popular at the time, and, and that mm-hmm. won't—I mean, that style was popular at the time. Uh, Animaniacs would get popular a few years later. Um, but just rapid-fire, pop culture-filled referencing—pop culture-referencing humor-based dialogue, and they went to go for So, a little bit about the series. It takes place in a fictional, feudal, and futuristic hybrid version of Japan called Little Tokyo, (laughs) uh, which is popularized by anthropomorphic cyborg characters. And it follows three pizza shop working cybernetic samurai cats and their adventures to ensure ensure that criminal boss, the Big Cheese, 
and his henchmen never gain control of Little Tokyo. The big cheese is a big rat, oh, and he's a he's course. a he's a crime boss. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm bored already. The samurai pizza cats are uh, are as follows: Speedy Cerveche, uh, which some people thought was uh, a reference on ceviche, which is a uh, seafood dish. Oh, uh, polyester. Which obviously that's that's a pretty easy <laughs> reference. It's the only female character, yes. polyester. And uh, my my favorite name is uh-huh. Guido Anchovy. Guido Anchovy. Yeah, he's the he's the third. <laughs> he's the blue samurai pizza cat. Uh, well, well, Guido Anchovy is obviously like a pizza parlor pun. Yes, which is weird because you would think they would give him like a New York Brooklyn accent, but he actually has a bit of a Southern twang. And so strange. they think that. A lot of people think that the reason why that is is because by the time it made it to the United States, Bill Clinton was president, so they tried to reference Bill Clinton. Oh, um, I see. Okay, okay. So he has kind of like a Bill Clinton voice if you go back and listen to it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically, Saban gets this show. It's anthropomorphic characters, which is already in line with TMNT, and by the time they bought mm-hmm. it, TMNT was on top of the world. So they yeah. just kind of followed that formula a little bit, and uh, Speedy... He was the leader, and he, he wields the magical Ginzu sword. Um, okay. Polly is the only female character of the team, and she uses heart-shaped projectile weapons. And she's in constant battle with her love-slash-hate relationship with Speedy. Uh, which okay. kind of creates for a nice, interesting dynamic sure. show. <laughs> and uh, Guido, he's sort of the Michelangelo-adjacent party guy, mm-hmm. who's often found uh, chasing ladies. And looking for parties and looking to have a good time. Uh, but he wields what's called the Samurai Spun Spot Umbrella, which is a an umbrella and has a, a wide range of abilities. It shoots flame rings, it shoots uh, heat beams, and it can hypnotize so people. So it's like a penguin umbrella. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like a penguin okay, umbrella. all right, all right. All right. Can I get a, let me get a 60-second soapbox here. All right, here we go. I'm going to start the timer. 60 seconds. Go, Jamie. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my name's Jamie. This is a new segment called 60 Second Soapbox. 10 seconds. Okay. So a lot of people think that furries are entirely sexual in nature, but that's not exactly true. Mm-hmm. In the sci-fi convention scene in North America in the 1960s, there wound up being little clubs inside that would meet in the hotel rooms after and share anime videos. Okay. There was one guy whose name I don't have on me, but I just watched a documentary on this. He had a connection in Japan. And they they would trade. He would send him uh, sitcom videotapes, and the guy in Japan would send over anime, because anime was in very limited supply in the United States at the point. There was almost none. 30 seconds. Okay, whew, a lot of pressure. So the ones that the people in this club took to were called what they started referring to as the funny animal people genre. Okay. So it led to what we know as zines, where people were drawing these funny animals. Some of them were sexualized. Some of them were not. Okay. Um, but that was the first really big wave of anime in the United States. And if that had happened and the time that we needed it, you know, who knows where the course of animation would be right That's now. That's true. Uh, what we grew up on, you and I, and probably a lot of our listeners, was animation that was brought together to try to sell us toys. Whereas yeah. Japanese animation was just animation. Yeah, it was a story. So we, it was we, real we, shit. We could have really used that. But the stigma that followed the furries really pushed anime back for a couple decades and uh, there we are. So seconds. thank you for listening right. to 60 Second Soapbox. Nice job. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. There's a lot of But pressure. yes, I think that uh, if the stigma didn't set anime back in the United States for a long time, mm-hmm. if they didn't have problems with having to rewrite dialogue and stuff for this new show, 
we would have land we would have got this show back in a time where all cartoon well not all cartoons but 80% of cartoons were poorly made mm-hmm. and just and as a tool to sell us, to sell us toys yes, exactly. and we would have seen this in contrast and it would have blew our fucking minds yeah Samurai Pizza Cats it is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adjacent show absolutely check it out very good so let me know uh, what, what do you got next alright my next pick is the well known Street Sharks Street yeah. Sharks <laughs> now there's something about Street Sharks that it's not even like you can't even hide that it's a kind of a TMNT ripoff. Oh, I know it's obvious. I mean, yeah. there's there are four members. They we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. So yeah, so for those who may not know what Street Sharks are, you should pause the podcast for one moment, look it up. You look at it, you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember this because it's inevitable. You're gonna end up seeing this even if you weren't born in the '90s. So it's an American Canadian animated series about the adventures of crime fighting half man. Half sharks. They bite and they fight. Street sharks. Yeah. Constantly <laughs> chewing up the pavement. You know how much uh, road work had to be done to them? Constantly. You know where they went? Like, I'm going to go grab a bite to eat. And literally, they're going to have to fix that roadway. They have more collateral damage than the fucking Avengers. <laughs> So, Street Sharks premiered in 1994 and ran for three seasons, being canceled in 1997. The first season only had, like, three or four episodes. That's why I don't really call it a full season. It was more like a pilot season. Yeah. And it was produced by our own favorite, Deke Productions. Deke. You could hear it when you you got... Of course. If if you ever want to hear an image, just look at the Deke logo. Yep. And you could hear that shit. Deke. (laughs) So overall, it's a really fun animated ripoff of TMNT, but it's so campy. Like, it's more campy than TMNT, and that's saying quite a bit, especially during the first, like, three seasons of TMNT. That shit was campy. In a way, I don't know, maybe a little more badass. In a way, because there was a lot more explosions, there there was a lot more, like, violence, but, like, sharks compared to turtles, who's going to win? Fucking sharks! Yeah, of course. My take on it. I mean, I'm I'm excited to hear the background of it because I I didn't I never looked into the background of the show, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. But my takeaway, my guess is that some producer was like, "Give me Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but like more, like make <laughs> them bigger, more. make them stronger, yes. make them fightier, make them jawsome, yeah, <laughs> jawsome." So a little bit of a background about Street Sharks. There are four teenage boys who are all brothers. And they were captured by the evil Dr. Luther Paradiddle, <laughs> a.k.a. Dr. Paranoid. The teens are put through an experimental DNA mutation device called the Gene Slammer, which I'm sure you remember, <laughs> and it, it, which ejects different shark DNA into them. Yeah. Soon after, they turn into half-human, half-shark humanoids, dubbing themselves as Street Sharks. Street Sharks! Street Sharks! God. So now they are out to battle the doctor who changed them into these street sharks. This literally is a TMNT ripoff because the members resemble all the members of TMNT. For instance, Ripster, which is the great white shark, the leader, Leonardo. uh, But also he creates inventions. So he's kind of like Donatello. He's the smart leader. He also wears uh, blue jeans and cowboy boots. It's <laughs> he does rad. wear cowboy boots sometimes, which is it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. so rad. You ever see a shark in cowboy boots? You will Fuck now. off. <laughs> Fuck off if you haven't. 
fuck off uh, now. The other one is Jab. He's the hammerhead shark. He's a lazy, funny shark. Michelangelo, pretty much. He's also somewhat of a mechanic, so he's also kind of like Donnie in a, a little bit. And uh, he also looks rad. He's also like in like these ripped up jean shorts. He looks rad. Yeah. And then my favorite out of the four is Streaks, which is the tiger shark. <laughs> is is he the one that had roller skates? He's the one that had roller skates. Hey, you ever see a tiger shark in roller skates? <laughs> Fuck off if you haven't. That's awesome. <laughs> So he's the jokester of the group. He's also the ladies' man, kind of like your uh, Guido, yeah. <laughs> samurai cat. And he loves his roller skates. He never takes them off. Yeah. In fact, his toys all had roller skates, which kind of sucked. And we'll get and into that. <laughs> the to- these toys were fucking awesome. Oh, man. We'll, we'll get into that. Just, yeah. just wait. The last one was Big Slamu, which is the, the whale shark. He's the biggest one, the toughest one. He was my favorite. He tries to be the leader sometimes and, like... He kind of does, he's the rebel too, so he's pretty much just wrath, like all the way. I'm shaking with anticipation to get to talk about the toys. I think, okay. Because fuck. You know what? That's a perfect segue. Yeah. Fuck the plot. Who cares about that? Who cares about the animation? Let's talk about the toy line and all of the Street Sharks merch, man. Because to- this toy line was fucking great. You know, <sighs> right off of the wing. So you come off the wings of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We all know what those toys look like. Yes, and they're about rad. four and a half inches tall. Regular articulation, regular mm-hmm. plastic. Earlier ones had soft plastic heads. Later ones had hard yep. plastic heads. These street sharks, they wanted to make the skin like real shark skin, yes. so they had rubber, rubber... exoskeletons yes. that really felt like shark skin, and and like the oh. teeth were made up of hard plastic. So yeah, it, it, from top to bottom, these toys are rad, and they came out with like three or four different waves, and they had so many different like variety of different toys. Like for instance, they had. Hand sharks were pretty much just like hand puppets. You remember those? Hand shark. Hand sharks. Hey, have you have you ever seen the nineties uh, toy fair video of the street sharks? Oh, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna okay. get into that. Okay, that's, okay, that's, okay. That's gonna go be like ahead. my ending point. I, I didn't know if you'd ever seen it. It's really not, so. cool, and everybody okay, has to check cool, it out. Cool, so cool. we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. Do you remember the mega twelve inch ripster that oh, also dude, spoke? Yeah. Holy crap! I forgot about this until I was just roaming through, and I was like. Holy shit. I I need that. Why isn't that in my life right now? Yeah, this is a dangerous episode. <sighs> yes, it is. But, yes, you're talking about the probably like, what, seven, eight-inch figures that had the rubber, the hard plastic. The packaging alone sold me. Do you oh, remember yeah. what the packaging looked like? No, it re- refreshed me. I remember it being dope. So they're pretty much exactly. in cages. They're like in these plastic-looking cages. That's right. Yep, I remember And they're like now. kind of breaking out of it too. So Kind of like Boglins a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yes, exactly. That's, that's a good comparison. But they were so cool. Like they made me want to collect all the main characters and a few of the villains. That was really good toy making. I mean, because the thing was the packaging didn't have to be that cool. Usually no. you package something that cool when it's not that cool. So kids get tricked into buying it. Yeah. But the things inside were so fucking awesome. Yes. They, they were some it of the on all levels. Man, they were some of the coolest things of the 90s. Like I, I don't want to be too sacrilege because, I mean, we haven't gotten into it too much in the show. Like... And 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 the episodes I've been in the show, I am the earnest guy, uh, mm-hmm. maybe eighties horror guy, guy occasionally. <laughs> but yeah. in my real life and in person to person, most people know me as the TMNT guy. Every yep. person Same gets here. me something TMNT related. So I don't want to be sacrilegious, yeah. but man, Street Sharks are pretty close to being cooler in my book, especially the toys. 
The, the yeah. animated series is okay. Yeah. I'm glad that we're talking about this, but I mainly wanted to talk about the toys of how fucking jawsome they were. No, because they were so much... I mean, yeah, the, the animation is, just, is another tool just to sell the toys. So, you know, sometimes we got good ones, sometimes we got bad ones, but the freaking toys were, like... <sighs> just so rad. Yeah. Oh, do you hear that? Oh, that's thunder that you're stealing. Why don't you go ahead and talk about the toy fair? <laughs> Please, because uh, it's so good. Um, so there was this video that leaked. leaked yeah, it's not a leak. It was public. But uh, it kind of went widely forgotten about because it came out in an era pre-internet. Yes. And uh, But eventually somebody had discovered it and put it back on the internet uh, sometime <laughs> around 2010 or 2009. So... At the toy fair of whatever year, I think it was like ninety four, ninety five. They were they were demoing all these rad street shark toys. And who else did they have to uh, <laughs> Pre- demo these demo toys? It. A but young, good looking Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. <laughs> Vin Diesel. You see and him playing with them. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I watched it. He's wearing a, a vest with no shirt under it. That's it. It's a black right, vest. Cool, cool. And a shaved head. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even he's, buffed out. He's a little scrawny. And he's scrawny. like, check these out. And what's cool about it is he has on the table, he has bootleg TMNT figures. Yes, he does. And, he's, and they and look he's, cool. They look cool. And I think some of them are those bootleg ones that have the troll doll hairs on top. Yep. And he has right, the yep. street sharks beating the shit out of him. <laughs> yes. So and he's literally playing with them with when, his yeah. bootleg TMNT. <laughs> Please go watch this. Uh, I, I'm done talking about it because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, no, just, it's it's, it's literally one of the crowning jewels on the internet. Uh, it's Jossa! Okay, man, we're just moving along down the sewer. We're skating it up, and we're heading to number two pick, man. My next one, surprise, is a, another promotion to try to sell some toys. Let's hear it. And it is the animated series of Creepy Crawlers. So I know what you're thinking. If you're not familiar with this show, you're probably thinking, what? What the heck? How? Yeah, what the what? fuck? Animated series? What are you talking I think, about? I think you're incorrect, man. <laughs> well, because we're, we're, in, we're talking about... Um, TMNT knockoffs and adjacent shows, mm-hmm. and to most people's knowledge, Creepy Crawlers is just the easy bake oven toy that you make uh, rubber spiders in. Yep, and uh, that was true. But this show kind of tried to take the TMNT formula and spin uh-huh. it for themselves. So why not? <laughs> let me back up a little bit. The Creepy Crawlers was based on the Creepy Crawlers slash Thing Maker toy, uh, which was. Made by Mattel starting all the way back in 1963. Surprisingly, it still exists in different iterations to this day, including Doctor Dreadful Lab, which are which are really cool. I uh, I have not bought myself one, but I watched videos of people playing with them online. So it sort of scratches that itch of buying one for myself. Uh, (laughs) The Fright Factory still exists, uh, and there's a few other lines in the vein of Creepy Crawlers that are still being put out by. Uh, companies that had inherited that intellectual property. Yep. The toy, like I said, it was, if you're not familiar with it, it was like an easy bake oven kind of, and it had these, uh, if you can imagine, like ice cube trays that were shaped like uh, worms, spiders, and spiders and worms and, and stuff. Skulls, yeah. And you would put this uh, rubbery kind of plastic solution in there, and you'd put it in the easy bake oven, and it would bake, and you'd pull them out, and you'd have rubber spiders to play with. Yep. And actually, the smell of that is something that is like would take <laughs> me back. Like yeah. uh, I, I, I need to. Get one and make some just so I can to smell, smell it again. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's 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 not a pleasant smell, but it's not a horrible smell. But no, it, but it takes you back. That's it would take sure. me right back. So, how does this tie into TMNT knockoffs? Well, the animated series 
took a TMNT approach and almost deviated from the original toy entirely. Mm-hmm. The show first aired in the fall of 1994 and was produced by Saban of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fame. Again. <laughs> Again. Uh, not, not not just Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, many, many, many more. And I'm sure yep. you know that. I'm sure the listeners know that. And uh, this show went on for a whole 23 episodes in two years. <laughs> and I've watched all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you have. That's good. Have. Okay, that's good. <laughs> They're fun. Well, that that's great because I was going to ask you if you'd seen it recently. Uh, they yes. are a lot of fun. The animation is a bit dodgy and about as cheap as you could possibly make it, but it's fun. It's still good, yeah. And I would, um, I would, I would definitely recommend the listeners look up the action figures for this toy or yes. the action figures for the show because yeah. I, this was something that I had forgotten entirely about. And then when I saw the toys, it, it really gave me that nostalgia trip that we look for. Because I remember looking and finding them at like a Toys R Us or like a KB Toys. And I'm like, why are these creepy crawlers? Because I didn't know the show existed there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would write that show totally different if, mm-hmm. if that was my thing. I mean, here, write a show about creepy crawlers toy. And the guy says, all right, well, we're going to make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I get the point because TMNT was very <laughs> successful, as we know. Yes, yes. Uh, but gosh, I would have done so much. Anyway, show followed Chris Carter who was a mild-mannered kid who worked in a magic shop and developed a machine called the Magic Maker. Okay, or creepy crawler machine. <laughs> yeah. The Magic Maker, as it's referred to on the show, combined uh, with this once-every-thousand-years sort of planetary alignment, created these man-sized muscular bug mutants. <laughs> these bug mutants appropriately named the Goop Mandos. I hate that name. <laughs> That's so horrible. Uh, Goop Mandos? Okay. Anyway, it's a reference to their patented material called Plastic Goop, which Plastic Goop was the name of the stuff that you dumped into those trays to create your spider. So that was a reference. The Goop Mandos is the name is a reference to Plastic Goop. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't sound any better, but at least you know. So the main creatures of the series were named Hocus Locus. Jolt, Volt, and T3. Yes. And they were sort of combinations of insects and uh, magic tricks. So yeah, some of which them. Which was so rad. Yeah, I like it was, that concept. It's, it's pretty creative, actually, considering what they were given. Actually, it's very creative, considering what they're getting. I'm not saying it's for better or for worse. I'm just saying it's very creative. If somebody came to you with a uh, Easy Bake Oven toy that yeah. made spiders and told you to make a show make about a it, you said, <laughs> Well, it's going to be uh, magic shop monsters that are half bugs, half magic tricks. And man and muscle. Pretty genius, considering. Yes. The series followed their constant struggles and battle with shamed magician Professor Guggengrime. Hate that guy. uh, Who tries to harness the power of the magic uh, maker and conjure up evil creatures called the Crime Grimes in an attempt to get ahead in his magic career. He's really trying to beat this kid because the kid was like kind of like his apprentice at first. Yeah. And then he came up with this magic device. And so he's like, I need to be better than this 13-year-old. Hey, you sounded like W.C. Fields there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow, that's good. Save that one for later. Um, The series led to action figures that more closely resembled the characters from the show, which were Mm -hmm. very TMNT adjacent in nature, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The toys are very powerfully nostalgic. Even if you didn't watch the show, put it on for a second. and It's on YouTube. Yeah, a lot of it is on YouTube. Yes. And uh, if not all of it, I didn't go all the way through. But the music, the animation style, the voice acting, it's going to hit you in a specific spot. 
uh, if you were a kid in the 90s. Like I, I mean, I don't yes. remember. I, I really don't remember anything about this show, seeing it as a kid, but watching the clips of it online. I remember the toys, and I remember the original toy line. I don't remember the show, but mm-hmm. watching clips of it was really like a nostalgic flash for me because it it really epitomizes '90s animation Absolutely. in the sense that uh, they made things on a budget to promote a product. Mm-hmm. It had all of the story beats that were ripped from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that had worked in the past. So they said, "Hey, that fucking worked. We'll do that." Why not? Check it out. I agree. I don't recommend it to the extent that I recommend Samurai Pizza Cats as a genuinely good show. Uh, but I recommend it if you're looking for a nostalgia flash or if you're looking for something that is just irresponsibly 90s. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. A good way yeah. to sum it up. Creepy Crawlers! Okay, my next one is a doozy. It's called Cyborg. Cyborg. As in C-Y-B-O-A-R, like a boar, the animal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this is a sci-fi slash fantasy comic series created by Lou Grazin mm-hmm. in 1988 and 89. And this one doesn't, there's not much that really exists about this. I just found something appealing about this title for, for some reason. Yeah. And just to give you a little bit of like history about it. It involves government conspiracies, evil experiments, cyborgs, and anthropomorphic animals that kick some ass. Woo! So, this comic book series started as a joke among Lou's friend and his brother. And they started, like, you know, just sketching some weird characters throughout their school years and everything. And then they started developing some underground comics, just like TMNT did. When they first started with, with Mirage and everything. So in this comic, the government brings in a wild boar to perform an evil experiment, turning a regular boar into a cyborg being pretty much dubbed cyborg, mm. which is funny. It's, you know, it's punny. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You're going to get a lot of puns in this era. That's what this is all about. <laughs> I know. We should have talked about all the puns with, with street sharks. We could have spent an entire episode. Do a whole that. episode just naming <laughs> different puns they make on the show. So if you've never heard of Cyborg or seen a picture of Cyborg, just imagine like Jim Lee drawing a half cyborg, half anthropomorphic boar. And that's that's what you pretty much have. So it's like equipped with all this titanium armor plating. He has like a multi-spectral camera eye. So he's got like that laser looking eye. He's got a grappling hook hand and he has a computer interface and all these other cyber connectic gadgets is just hanging off of him that's so rad it looks fucking rad so cyborg goes through all these vigorous training and experiments to turn him into this war weapon and while he's going through all these trainings and and uh, programs and everything he soon realizes that he was created for killing people and he hated that he hated the fact that he realized that he is a boar and he desired he desires to be out in the wild with all of his boar friends. <laughs> so he starts fighting back to kind of end all of this. And he just goes on this killing spree. He's saving all these other animals that the government are working on, including this kind of babe of a anthropomorphic squirrel. And she's pretty rad. See, look, man. Aren't you glad I did the 60-second soapbox about furries and inheriting... <laughs> 
hey, that's a anthropomorphic. Good point. We may not have cyborg yeah. without furries. There, there's a lot of things we wouldn't have without that. So I, that's why I needed to get that out of the way. <laughs> I appreciate. You got that. it. <laughs> always looking out for you. Always looking out for the listeners. Hey, let there me ask you, you a question about cyborgs. Uh, All right, is this more adult edged like your like the previous entry, or is this kind of kitty? Yeah, I'd say yeah. It's kind of like the adolescent radioactive black belt hamster. Hamsters. I'm surprised you got Sorry. that out first try. I know. <laughs> I was going to say it fast, but I wasn't for sure myself. Yeah, it does have that kind of a dark edge, but it felt more cartoony. You can actually go and check out their 16 uh, official issues that were released on their website. Just go to side-board.com, and you can see all of their early work and stuff and how it developed and got better and better over the years. And they pretty much started their own web series comic back in 2005. It's stayed kind of consistent. There's still some new things that come out here and there, but I highly re- recommend just checking it out for yourself. Absolutely. I think I'm going to do that right after this. Now let's talk about the ripoff of a ripoff. What? <laughs> I said, it's pretty jawsome. What? So <laughs> there is a CGI cartoon called Cyborgs, mm. pluralized. Which oh wait, so much. oh my god, that you, that's so weird because I <laughs> thought that was the same thing. No, they're different. Apparently, that's a different. I property. did my research because I thought they were the same thing too initially, and I started doing my research. I was like, oh, one's a comic and one's not based off the comic, but looks like the comic. But it's this really badly done CGI cartoon. That 3D animated shit is not from the comic. It's apparently not. Oh my gosh. But because these anthropomorphic animals are traveling into space to fight off evil. And in Cyborg, they're on Earth. So I don't know if they're like just ripping off of the concept of this. And uh, anyway, it's it's very independently made. And it's actually not too bad. Considering the the like what they spent on it and everything, do you know what year it was? I'm not 100 percent sure of the year. I think it was late 90s. Late 90s. So this was like right when Team and T started getting popular again, when they uh, recreated the TV show for the early 2000s, and uh, so people were trying to get back onto the Team and T boat. Yeah. But uh, you can actually watch all five of the episodes um, online. You can just type in cyborgs and they will come up and you can check it out for yourself. It's really crazy to me that somebody would knowingly uh, put a lot of time and energy into ripping off an intellectual property and they choose cyborg. I mean, <laughs> I like I think, I think <laughs> Fight Club was a thing by then. Just rip off Fight Club yes, or something. You know you what go. I mean? Anthropomorphic animals just fighting each other, but they don't talk about it. Man. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so overall... It's cool to see other comic book readers that are inspired by TMNT go and create something else that's kind of the same nature, kind of adjacent, as you were saying before, but actually become somewhat successful, at, like how TMNT did at the beginning with just releasing underground stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see, and that's the biggest reason why it's on my list. And it's sort of something that is perfectly lined up release-wise with people who were kids for TMNT. Yes. Because by the time you were a little bit older, you might be looking for something that has a little more more of an adult edge to it. Yeah, a little more mature and more violent. And that's kind of how it was there uh, in Cyborg. So I totally see why it was created. Okay, man. uh, We are now on number three of your list. And I bet you they continue to get better and better from here on out. Let's hope. My next pick, I'm gonna, I'm, 
is like TMNT in nature. Mm-hmm. It became more of just a cartoon or a toy line. It was a, a multi-medium platform intellectual property. There were toys, video games, comic books, mm-hmm. a TV show. I think I know what direction you're heading into. But that being said, it's more about the toys for me, so I'm going to gloss over everything else when I talk about the Stone Protectors. Stone Protectors! I knew it! Yes! Yes. So, like I said, the Stone Protectors was a short-lived animated series, action figure line, video game, and comic line. And it was an unsuccessful attempt to market the troll doll craze to young boys. When I say troll doll, I mean the wish trolls, the norphin trolls, you know, the little naked dolls with the real hair that sticks straight up. Big hair, colorful hair, Uh, yeah. This has been tried. That kind of thing was attempted to be pitched to younger boys in the past. Like the battle trolls and stuff. Exactly. The battle trolls were those hollow, plastic, big trolls with hair, and they had like army outfits or monster outfits or something like that they were kind of lame uh yeah there was no if i remember correctly there was no articulation or or very limited there was none right very Uh, i had a couple of them the frankenstein one is actually very cool but Mm -hmm. we're here to talk about stone protectors um now they're they want to sell these norfin dolls or or norfin trolls or wish trolls whatever you like to call them to young boys but they're going to use the teenage mutant ninja turtle formula as so many people are uh, and as so yeah, many people yeah. are succeeding, so many people are failing. I mean, it's a toss-up. <laughs> yes. So this short-lived 13-episode show debuted in 1993 and was written by Ma- Marty Eisenberg, who was a story editor on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. The, the plot is a little convoluted because the plot on the back of the card is different, th- is different than the plot <laughs> in the different. show, which is different than the yes. plot in the video game, which is different than the plot in the comic book. So yeah, nothing's canon. So I'm going to try to rope something together here. Okay, perfect. But the show involved Clifford, Cornelius, Chester, Maxwell, and Angus. That was the one consistent. Those were the main yes. characters. Uh, and they battled the Predators throughout their mission to retrieve Zox's crystal and bring them all back to their kingdom. Mm-hmm. So that's one version. Or alternatively, there were an awful rock band known as the Rock Detectors. And I don't say awful because they were just awful. They were intentionally awful in the show. Yes. Like they were supposed yes. to be bad. Yep. Uh, but they were getting kicked out of a club and they find five magical stones, which gave them troll-like appearances and special skills. And now uh, they're badass rockers. <laughs> but they're, they're still not good at music. But they're badass. No. Um, the comic book only lasted four issues under the Harvey Comics umbrella. Mm-hmm. I love the art style in the comics a lot. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. The art style is fantastic. Uh, it's it's really good. I, I almost wish that what they followed for the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Rather uh, but than it was so mixed series. up. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the video game, you know, whatever. But uh, the action figures were created by Ace Novelty Toy Company, who was the primary uh troll doll maker yes yes the primary they were roughly five inches tall they featured a hard plastic body very similar to teenage mutant ninja turtles in in articulation a slightly softer plastic head and uh the signature troll doll colorful spiky sticking straight up there (laughs) the biggest draw on the figures however was not the hair it was the gem or the stone on each of the figures chest now I found a few from my childhood last uh-huh. year, and not only are they all still together, but their action feature still works. Wow! And the action feature is the biggest draw, uh-huh. which is that stone that we're talking about. But what happens is if you rotate the right arm of a stone protector's figure, 
a flint module would ignite inside its chest, creating a quick, bright flash. Yes, so it would light that up. you could see through the transfer. Yes. yes, and I found them in a that been sitting in a toy box for over I don't know twenty uh-huh. years, and it still works. It still lights oh, up. You would not see that um, in toys nowadays. <laughs> no, no, because everything would be battery operated and yes. you'd have to charge <laughs> it. Whatever. Sparks. <laughs> um, really, there was also so we talked about the comic series, which was short lived. The uh, TV show, which was short-lived. The action figures, uh, which were short-lived. However, they have some lasting value in my uh, in my yeah, experience. For sure. I can't speak for everybody, yeah. though. Uh, but there was a video game. It was an NES game. Uh, I didn't. Ha- I did not have it, but I loaded the ROM of it earlier today, uh-huh. and uh, it's a, just a side-scrolling beat 'em up game. Uh, originally released in 1994, it features 10 levels. It's pretty hard, but it's not Battletoads okay. hard, which is <laughs> another TMNT ask. ripoff, yes, ironically enough. Um, it's commonly looked at, you know, a lot of these things are we see in retrospect as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripoffs, but this one at the time was instantly seen as a Teenage Mutant oh, Ninja, yeah. Ninja Turtle ripoff. And because of that, it was looked yep. over and, and immediately. It was failed. It didn't last long. Yeah, so it... So, you know, uh, whatever these other companies and and other franchises did to separate themselves with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, these guys were not able to no. do. People spot it, they smelled it right away, and they just abandoned it. Everything was super short lived. It was a real hard push that led to almost yep. nothing, <laughs> almost the failure of of the troll dolls because you didn't see them that often after that. Until until recently, I don't think you saw them until twenty seventeen or or eighteen mm-hmm. with the troll doll yep. movie. They were gone for almost 20 years because after this failure. <laughs> Damn stone uh, protectors. <laughs> yeah. So out of that, my recommendation based on stone protectors, uh, you could check out the show. It's on YouTube as well. It's it's yeah. on YouTube. It'll give you a little nostalgic jolt. I'm not saying it's high quality, uh, the art, so I can't highly recommend it. Uh, the art of the comic books is really nice looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, the takeaway is the toys. Definitely. Um, they are not super sought after. So if you are a it's toy a collector, cheap. you can get them on eBay for yep. pretty cheap. And they all still work in my experience. Their uh, they're flint-operated flashing system in their chest all still works yeah, for me. Light your cigarette off of it. And they are very cool. The toys I, I find to be very, they very cool. They very well and they um, just look rad. They look really good in your collection, that's for sure. Not only in good in your collection, but they look at home standing next to your vintage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I see yours right now. <laughs> they have the same exact scale and the same exact articulation as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so it looks like it fits right in. And uh, as a kid, what more could yep. you ask for? You and know? as a kid, we didn't care if it was a TMNT ripoff. Nope. Still rad to us. So we it's been a it's been a long but fun evening here talking about bootleg cartoons and bootleg action figures. <laughs> bootleg TMNT. Uh, I presume that your last pick is one that means a lot to you in some way. It is in some weird way, and that is Toxic Crusaders. Woo! We are the Toxic Crusaders. I love this. I, I really love this. <laughs> Which is Uncle Lloyd's answer to TMNT. You, you gotta love Uncle Lloydy. It almost worked for him, too. It did. It did. And I'll get into that here here momentarily. It's a very interesting story. I had a, I, I listened to a, a Q&A with him once where he talked about it, so I'll bring that up when the time comes. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So you're probably thinking to yourself, if you've never heard of this, Toxic Crusader? Are you talking about, like, Toxic Avenger? Yes, we're talking about the awful, crude, vulgar, toxic Avenger, but a cartoon made for kids. 
Toxic Avenger. 110%. 150% Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adjacent. Oh, yeah. They to were the not pulling any stops. They were like, that's no. working, so we're going to do that. Uncle Lloydie did not give two shits, and nope. he would have been very successful because of it. So it is based off the edgy Toxic Avenger movies from Troma, but it's considerably a lot tamer, aiming primarily towards the younger audience. The cartoon only lasted like 13 episodes and a somewhat decent full-length movie. And the background is pretty similar to Toxic Avenger besides all the sex and violence and blood and guts. It does take place in Tromaville, New Jersey. Which is, I'm pretty sure you live pretty close by Tromaville, right? Yeah, I pass it on the train every day. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. And they are known for their pollution and creating an overabundance of toxic waste. Of course. Yep. Tromaville. Tromaville, Duh. USA. Tromaville, USA. So one day, wimpy janitor Melvin Junko gets tricked by some jocks into kissing a sheep, which pretty much causes him to run away in embarrassment. And he somehow falls into a barrel or a vat of toxic waste. Pretty close to how it happened in the movie. It is very close to. He's wearing his tutu and everything. And it pretty much changes him into this grotesque superhuman dubbed himself Toxie. Yeah. So not Toxic Avenger. It's just Toxie. So huge difference here, right? Huge difference. (laughs) What's funny about it, though, is people, you know, that's what people refer to Toxie as. You know, even when they're talking about the movie, they say, oh, uh, Toxie. Toxie. Yeah. Yep, which uh, really could have gotten them into some serious trouble if this was really that popular. Yeah. And I'll get more into that in just a moment. So he, along with four other, well, actually five other people, get mutated by this toxic waste in some weird way. And the other members of the Toxic Crusaders goes as follows. No Zone, which is a test pilot that mutated it into a blue monster with one wheel as a leg and a huge fucking nose. His whole head was a nose. Yes. And his, his whole power was he had a very powerful sneeze that he would sneeze away villains and sneeze away pollution. <laughs> Gotta love it. Only trauma. Only trauma. The next one is Master Disaster, which was a military soldier. And he was mutated into this weird looking military soldier he looks the same pretty much but his ability was to be able to control plants okay well you know it's helpful we we can't all have cool powers i guess no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, headbanger is a two people mutated together it was a dr bender which is like a mad scientist that used to work for the evil person i'm going to talk about here in a moment and a a other person named fender which is the surfer dude Oh, he, the blonde hair. he's my favorite, yeah. He's my favorite, too. He's my favorite toy as well. That toy Headbanger is so is a rad ass. fucking toy. Yeah. And then the last one is Junkyard, which is a humanoid dog that uh, pretty much a Junkyard dog and a homeless man get mutated together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Again. All right. Only trauma. <laughs> but it's so cool. It's so perfect. So now the Toxic Crusaders are out to save Tromaville from all the evil Dr. Killamoff. Yes, kill him off. Does with polluting the Tromaville and put an end to both his evil monsters and the deadly pollution that's surrounding the city. Hell yeah! So that's a lot to take in. There's a lot. Like you're like I'm confused about the Toxic Avenger thing still. So there's no sex. It's a cartoon. <laughs> there's no sex. It's trauma, right? It would have been funny <laughs> is if this show had one, if it had gotten successful. Yep. And two, if the internet was around at the time and kids were going to look up more stuff about Toxie and they see him <laughs> squishing guys' heads in weight weight rooms and shit. Yeah. Running people's <laughs> so heads the, over the car. Where's the talking mop? What's yeah, going yeah. on here? 
<laughs> so this is the cartoon that started with the success of TMNT, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And our good friend Uncle Lloyd was actually friends with some of the original TMNT crew and was encouraged to create something similar. So this is a different case than the others. Like they were, it was actually uh, encouraged by some of the original creators of Team and T to go make something different that's similar. So instead, that makes any sense. it's like covering a song without the band's permission versus the band saying, "Hey, you guys would be great if you played our song." So that's different. That's that's really different. It's an interesting connection as well, which doesn't surprise me because Team and T was pretty low budget, independent, and as well as Troma. So it doesn't surprise me that they somehow teamed up. So they took elements from Team and T as well as Captain Planet and Swamp Thing at the time that environmental saving aspect from those comics and then morph them all together into a weird trauma situation. But the most rad thing to come out of Toxic Crusader was the partnership with Playmates. Yeah. Which they made Team and T-like characters for all of the Toxic Crusaders and they are fucking amazing. Yeah, it's what I said about stone protectors before, how they can, articulation and scale-wise, you put them right next to your t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures and you wouldn't yeah, know the difference. Kind of fit in. Man, yeah. these are that, like, you know, somebody who didn't know anything about toys or what we're talking about here would see those and go like, wow, how come these Ninja Turtle figures are so much cooler than the others? Yeah. No, those are Toxic Crusaders figures. That's what I thought when I was younger. I've never watched the show, but they were sold right next to the TMNT action figures. So I was like, I want those. Where where are these in TMNT? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I want it. There's a great picture of me as a kid. On Christmas, holding my Toxie figure. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you so we can use that. Please, yeah. please. So it actually instantly became pretty popular, mostly because of the Team and T uh, figures and being sold right next to them. And it spawned an eight-issue run of comics by Marvel. Um, they're kind of all off the wall. They're each issue is written by a different person, so there's not really uh, consistent with the storyline. But uh, it also spawned a full-length animated movie, as I said before, video games. There was even a crossover that was supposed to happen with Team and T. Like, they already had that lined up. I could I would have I could have died. I would have died. <laughs> you, I wouldn't be doing the podcast right now because I'd be dead. Well, I guess it's good it didn't <laughs> happen then, right? It's true. And it may sound like it's a rad thing to begin with, but they kind of teamed up with New Line Cinema to create a live-action movie. And this was right after the success of the first TMNT movie. So New Line Cinema was bringing in the big bucks with TMNT, and they were wanting to make a TMNT 2. And they thought, like, why don't we do a movie about this toxic crusader and see what we can do with that since TMNT was so popular? And Lloyd says, like, sure, why not? But something happens. Pretty much what they were promising is that they're going to put together this pretty large budget Toxic Crusaders movie in the vein of Team and T. Kind of have a dark kind of feel to it, but it's still like a lot of fun. Family friendly. Yes. Yes. So they signed the contract and months went by with no word or no updates whatsoever. So Lloyd keeps contacting them and contacting them and they're giving some bullshit um, excuse and stuff. And Finally, he finds out that he was being used for leverage to make TMNT 2 with uh, the people who own the rights to Team, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's a, that's a real pain in the ass, and that's a thing that that happens in Hollywood. Uh, you hear it all the time about they they do you know every time they switch uh, those nightly show 
host guys. They do that same yeah. shit. They'll promise somebody the spot, and it turns out all they're doing is working on the price for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and it's a shame because this is a, this was and is a small company who thought they were getting their big break. Yep. And uh, it was it was just fucking leverage. It's unfortunate. So Lloyd, needless to say, was fucking pissed. And he instantly went to his lawyer and said, like, let's sue their ass. Yeah. And he actually won. He won the rights back and he won, like, a disclosed amount of money from New Line Cinema. And thank God, too, because, you know, we did get a Toxie 3 and a Toxie. And it's in a. They're not great, but, you know, at least he has his characters <laughs> back. <laughs> yes. That's very true. So overall, it's just really interesting that a TMNT knockoff such as this that was based off of a rated R movie was used as leverage to make another TMNT movie. It's just, it's very interesting. And if you want to know more, you should go read uh, his book. I think it's like uh, trying to create crappy movies and make a toxic adventure movie, something like that. Yeah. It's a really good segment that I read off of that. And he, I just love his storytelling too. Yeah, he references it in uh, Make uh, Make Your Own Damn Movie. Um, I heard him talk about this in a Q&A once. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's very passionate about it and understandably so. All right, man. So we've heard... Samurai cats, we've heard creepy crawlers, we've heard protectors of stones. I'm really curious of what you're going to wrap up your list with, man. Well, without further ado, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know if I can recommend it as a show. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe. But the one that is probably closest to my heart just because of personal experience in the realm of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ripoffs is Mummies Alive. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This was very big for me as a kid. Uh, if you're not familiar with this show, it's another one of those cases where if this show had come out three, four years earlier, we would have never heard the end of it. This would We'd still be talking about it. There'd be faux vintage <laughs> Mummies Alive shirts yeah. available <laughs> in Walmart and Target and yes. shit. Um, but... It did come out a little late, and uh, because of that, it faded. But I spent a lot of time with it. It it wound up in syndication in an early morning slot, and I would watch it before school uh, every day for a year or two. Me too, And it was yeah. so uh, comforting because you would dread going to school, and uh, you before you go, you get these mummies. But let me get into it. Yeah. So Mummies Alive was a Canadian-American cartoon that aired for a single season in 1997, but get this, a massive 42 episodes. Wow. Must be yes. Deke. <laughs> yeah, well, you know Deke. it. And uh, after that, it spun to a straight-to-video animated movie in 1998. Yep, I remember that one. He's Alive, The Legend Begins. Not very uh, highly regarded, not seen by very many people. Pretty boring. Anyway, the show was written by Mark Edens, Eric Lewald, and Julia Lewald, who all worked together on the X-Men animated series. Okay, I thought those names sounded familiar. Yeah, okay. so uh, especially Eric and Julia Lewald. Those mm-hmm. names should sound particularly for, uh, familiar if you're a fan of the X-Men animated series. But yeah, that's, so you have really good people working on this Mummies Alive show, people who have long history in animation. In fact, uh, the writers separately worked on the RoboCop animated series, <laughs> uh, Young Hercules, which wasn't a cartoon, but still. Yep. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they got some TMNT credits. Of course. Uh, Real Ghostbusters. Yep. Uh, cops. 
uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Skeleton oh. Warriors. Uh, oh no so way! Yes, yeah, the so many. Uh, that's uh, literally I just named the ones that stuck out to me. Their okay. their cartoon writing credits are endless for the writers of, yeah. of Mummies Alive. So I'm really interested in like the plot of this Mummies Alive because I I don't think I really fully remember the plot. Uh, okay, yeah, the plot's pretty cool. I've always liked stories about uh, unlikely heroes and wind up in with situations falling onto their laps, and that's kind of what happened here. Okay. Uh, Mummies Alive was about a boy named Presley who didn't know it, but he was the reincarnation of uh, Prince Rapses. Okay. And uh, because of this, an ancient evil sorcerer named Scarab, 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 like the beetle, <laughs> is after him, which uh, awakens Rapses' bodyguards, Jakul, Wrath, Arman, and Nefertina. To protect him. Okay, it sounds like really bad B characters from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but all the, actually, it, it does sound that way. However, all these names and ca- names of characters they bring up are characters that are pulled from uh, ancient Egyptian history okay. and folklore. Um, so yeah, you've got a ca- case of a kid who doesn't know it, but he's reincarnated a prince. Uh, because of that, evil sorcerers after him. Uh, because of that, ancient bodyguards awaken, and those are the mummies alive. And they are these really cool, badass mummies who have really cool vehicles and mm-hmm. cars and helicopters and because uh, they armors, had that during Egyptian times, <laughs> armor suits and yeah. uh, really really cool stuff. Um, I, I I especially remember the theme song for some reason. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because the theme song was written by Ron Wasserman, who composed the original Mighty, Mighty Morphin, Morphin Power, Power Rangers. So this is a Saban. It has to be Saban, because he only does the Saban TV show theme songs. Saban really, really uh, is a heavy hitter for us in this in this Which is genre. interesting. They're best at ripping things off, I guess. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> the show, like I said, it, it referenced a lot of actual ancient Egyptian historical figures and lore. Um, and it was and it was good. It was decent for its time. Okay. I mean, it, it's it's very much in line with like Jackie Chan Adventures, if you remember that. Yes, and, okay. And stuff so, like, like that. Some history era. kind of facts that are kind of go into each episode, but there's still yeah. enough action to keep you engaged. Yeah, but like I said, and I'm going to keep saying about the show, had it come out a few years earlier, it would have been a way bigger success. And the draw was not so much the toys. The, sh- okay. the show was really well written. I mean, we have genuine. Writers. Animation yeah, writing I, geniuses. Absolutely. X Men folks. And uh and so much more than that too. But the toys were fucking awesome. Um I don't remember the toys as much for some yeah, reason. Yeah, so the so the toys were released uh under the Kenner umbrella right at the tail end when they stopped using so by this point Hasbro Hasbro had bought Kenner. Yes, I do remember um, that. But they were still releasing toys under the Kenner name okay. for a little while. And so this was at the end of it. So they really, really resembled the real Ghostbusters Kenner figures with the action features that were over the top. No way. Like uh I, I have one where you squeeze his leg and his body splits in half. Like it, oh. it gets shredded in half and a snake comes out of the middle. That is awesome. Okay. You got ones where you squeeze the legs and his eyes come out really far, like in front of his face. That's a Ghostbuster gimmick, yes. That is a Ghostbuster gimmick. I think they even used that for TMNT as well. Yep. Um, So it really feels a lot like the uh, real Ghostbusters figures. It feels a lot like the the Kenner Robocop toys. Um, Crazy over-the-top action features, exploding heads, a huge line of vehicles and weapons and accessories. (laughs) Uh, I'm fantastic. already in love. I'm going to like Google this after we're done. 
Yeah, no, this is a good one. Uh, and the thing is about it, too, is, you know, we talked about all these shows. They only had one season. They only had two seasons. This one only had one season. Like I said, it had 42 episodes That's for one wild. season. I can't um, believe that. So similarly to ALF, season one ends with the implication that Scarab and Hika are still on the loose. Okay. And something really important and really difficult will have to happen in the far future to defeat them for good. And uh, things are never resolved due to the series cancellation. But um, unlike the other shows, it was canceled, but there are 42 episodes. Yeah, it sounds like it. Do you know where it's like offered? Is it offered on any streaming services right now? I found a little bit on Hulu. Okay. Because um, I'm interested in this show. I haven't, I haven't heard nor watched this show probably since 1997. They started re-airing it, I think, around the year 2000. Um, but yeah, I mean, streaming wise, it doesn't okay. really look like it's available anywhere. Maybe there's a couple episodes on YouTube. Um, worth looking into though. It, it, it might be the one you have to work the, the hardest for in a sense. Uh, but worth mm-hmm. it. And again, if you're a toy collector, this is actually a pretty cool line to look into. Yeah, I totally agree. So check it out. <laughs> Well, you know, before we sign off, we have to mention that there are so many more TMNT ripoffs that we didn't get around to mentioning. And it's not for any particular reason besides the fact that if if we tried to talk about them all, we'd be here for days. We would. There's Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars, which actually I have a very personal story with. Maybe we'll get to it sometime. Me too. Uh, So we definitely will. Battle Toads. Battle Toads. Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gosh, the list just goes on. Biker Mice from Mars. (sighs) I should have covered that one. Do you remember BC Bikers? Oh, yeah. BC Bikers. BC uh, bikers. Dino, Dino Saucers. Avenger Penguins. Uh, that's more recent, yeah. Road Rovers. Oh, yeah. The Extreme going. Extreme Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, which is a, a spinoff of Street Sharks. It just goes on and on and on. But, yeah, so I mean, if, we, we gave you a lot of information about these eight that we picked, and I think this is a pretty successful show. I really enjoyed all your picks, and you had a lot of really cool information to cover. Same to you, man. Same to you. There's Thank a lot you. of stuff for people to look into or are interested in this if you grew up with Ninja Turtles. Well, I guess until next time, be kind. Rewind. And stay focused. Cowabunga. We got the host, Rash Shoemaker, Nothing like Babe Ruth, Candy Bars, Any Takers, and Arsenal of VHS tapes. I'm feeling really great, I'm hoping y'all great. Flea markets, yes, one for a nickel. Complain about Rwanda sounding like Angelica Pickles. Watching P&P, maybe Malcolm in the middle. Sail on Gary the Snail, Mr. McNeely, I hope one of these days you will bring me my mail. E-Count, Shakula, you Hoover, Oda Pale Ales. You want dope than diamonds, I got my bling with sales. Thinking I'm a gear, riders, black, but still a prevail. I got no rhymes for the VHS community. Got some lunch to meet for you, Nimrods. Rat King, Steve Jobs. On that PG style, and distant, eat my socks. Ox, Dragon Slayer, modified with lasers. What we need right here is some good old taters. Back to back, clam shells of the Cape Crusader. The one from the 90s, as well as beyond. You're an asshole if you play as a job in James Bond. Y'all gone. Cheat that wiggity wag, like soda this flat is spilling right into your lap. This sounds lousy. Another episode featured on Boom Howdy, and I'm outie, cause. Fuck-
I know more.